and welcome to 100 Mistakes Academic Writers Make and How to Fix Them, a podcast for academics and other writers who need to get work done. I'm Stephanie Dunson, PhD, a writing coach and consultant with over 20 years of experience working with faculty at some of the nation's top colleges and universities. My aim in making this podcast is to help you name your challenges and make adjustments that will allow you to develop a sustainable and meaningful writing routine. In each episode, I'll focus on one of what I've observed to be the 100 most common writing challenges faculty members face. Then I'll offer proven fixes that you can adapt to your particular writing routine. Later in the show, I'll be joined by Professor Cynthia Kaur from George Washington University, who will share her insights on today's topic. Alrighty then, let's get started. Mistake number three, mismanaging the summer break. For most of us, the academic year is full of demands and obligations that compete with, even eclipse, our efforts to write. It's no surprise then that summer becomes a season of high expectations. We'll start or finish a book, write a proposal, pen a chapter or article that we've been promising to send out for months. The problem is that summer is never as long as we expect it to be, and so by the end of the season, we're left scrambling for and often falling short of the initial writing goals we set. Now, if you're someone who has no problem shifting into high gear for your summer writing projects, may the sun continue to shine warmly on your efforts. But if you need a little jumpstart to help you reach the goals you've set for the next few months, stick around. If you're listening to this on the day of release, happy Memorial Day. For many of us, whether your spring semester ended a month ago or is still winding down, this marks the official start of summer. Congratulations on getting through an academic year full of unprecedented challenges. Time to take a breath, feel the warm sun on your face, and start thinking about all of those projects you promised to get around to after the school year. Throughout the academic year, it's so easy to look at the summer as a time when major writing will get done, when long simmering projects will be brought to completion, when things will quiet down and will finally meet the deadlines we've put off. But at the risk of raining on your well-deserved beach party, I'll point out that August 1st is actually only 10 weeks away. And yes, I know that's earlier than the break ends for most of you, but flipping the calendar from July to August is commonly when folks start to have that, oh my God, where did the summer go moment. Departments start making requests. Course planning starts to weigh on our minds. New appointments kick in and fulfilling all of the plans laid out for the summer feels less and less likely. And this can happen to even the most experienced among us. There's just some kind of time distortion that happens when we step out of the routine of the school year. Whatever the reason, mismanaging the summer writing break is a recurring problem for many of us. But why? Why, in spite of our best laid plans and earnest intentions, does the summer so commonly get away from us? And more importantly, what's the fix? To be honest, the best fix would be to jump into a time machine and go back to March. It may sound crazy to some of you, but that's ideally the time to start putting your summer plans in motion. I assume that's not a viable option for you, so we'll put a pin in that for now, but I promise to offer an episode next March to help you take the long view next year. 
So, okay, back to the now. The leaves are green, the birds are singing, the sandals are on. Now what? It's not uncommon for the start of summer to be marked by a lull. You're probably exhausted, a little fried around the edges, resistant to facing the projects you have planned. You want to work in the garden, sleep in, spend time with your family. And the lifted mask mandate means you're able to see friends and family in the flesh for the first time in months. How can a writing project compete with that? The short answer is, it doesn't have to, if you wrap your head around a few imperatives. One is that there's not a summer you who is discernibly different from who you are during the rest of the year. More free time doesn't magically result in a new work identity. The same quirks and qualities that characterize you as a writer during the year are still there. So don't set up expectations that don't align with how you generally operate. If you do need to practice a heightened level of accountability to get work done over the summer months, don't expect that to materialize on its own. You can find as many ways to put off writing now as you could during the school year, so don't let your guard down. Set up a routine that you can really manage. And if you need a rest or a break to clear your mind, don't fight it. But lest you waken from your early summer idol to realize that you're already well into July, set some parameters. Maybe give yourself a week off before you settle into work. But before you cut to radio silence, set up a plan for how to jump back in. What's the first priority when you get back to work? What specifically is a task that you know you can pick up to jumpstart your writing? Make it something that feels approachable, even something that you're genuinely looking forward to. And really commit to that reentry. Make it concrete, naming the specific outline of your first few writing days. Or team up with others to set a hard date for getting down to work. You can also recruit members of your family to encourage you to stick to your routine. But in that case, do yourself a favor and specify in advance what form that encouragement should take. Many a well-intentioned ally can come across like a nag if you fail to direct their efforts. Another imperative is to have a reality check about what you can actually get done, based not on aspirations, but rather on experience. Yes, maybe there was that one summer before you had kids, or when your advisor or chair was breathing down your neck, or when you weren't as worn down from the cares of the world, when you cranked out page after page of writing. But are you able to be, do you even want to be, that person this year? What's a pace that you know with confidence that you can sustain for the next few months? And what results will that level of work realistically produce? It's better to scale down your expectations to a goal you can actually achieve than to play the pressure and shame game only to end the summer frazzled and disappointed. If this assessment of summer productivity results in a more modest estimate of output than you'd hoped, remember this. The summer is not a bell jar, an isolated realm of productivity that exists in a vacuum. So you should lay out your summer on a continuum of productivity that you can carry into the school year. The easiest way to do this is to divide writing projects into work that warrants summer level attention and work that can be accomplished after the semester starts. The key here is to define your goals concretely and granularly, specifying the individual tasks connected to completing your ends. Lay them out on a calendar, including the planned transition into fall semester writing, 
repeatedly asking yourself whether the timeline is achievable. If you're able to lay out how writing projects carry into the school year, summer work feels less like an all-or-nothing scenario and more like a different level of intentionality brought to bear on the ongoing work of the full academic year. A third imperative to consider when reflecting on your summer writing plan is to consider the impact of what I'll label seasonal circumstances. Generally put, these are any of the elements of real life that are standard features of the season. They include things such as self-care, family obligations, travel, holidays, even simple seasonal nostalgia. They're the kind of details we too often overlook or downplay when planning out our summers, but they're important and meaningful components of well-being that are worth reflection. Maybe that amounts to setting aside time every evening to play in the yard with your kids or take a walk with your partner. Or it could mean working in the garden or bike riding around your neighborhood each morning before settling into the day's riding, taking a good novel to the beach once a week, or listening to music on your porch at twilight. Taking care of yourself, spending quality time with loved ones, indulging in the distinct pleasures of the season are restorative elements that are key to maintaining your well-being and fueling your overall productivity. And if you identify and allow time for them, you take them out of competition with your work goals. Other seasonal circumstances have to do with transitional space. That is to say, every shift in your setting, be it travel or the introduction of guests, changes your headspace and consequently your relationship to your work. How often have you gotten a work routine set at the start of the summer only to have it thrown off when you travel to a different location or entertained house guests? How commonly has a family reunion or summer holiday pulled you out of your work rhythm? Even if you're just thrown off for a few days, the accumulated impact of a few events can take the momentum out of your writing schedule and take a bite out of your summer work calendar. Here the key is not to assume that you'll simply be able to keep the cadence of your work consistent when these occasions arise. Either adjust your workload to accommodate the change, or anticipate that you'll need to make a more concerted effort to lean into your work plan to weather the shift. Whichever best serves, applying a bit of forethought can assure that you stay on track. Let's leave it at this. For most of us, summer presents an opportunity to get significant writing done. But it's more than that. It's also a wonderful season. Food, family, and friends, the filling of warm grass between your toes, and this year in particular is one where I think we all need to find both balance and fortification. And now, on to my talk with Cynthia. And I'll apologize in advance for a few glitches in the recording. My network wasn't playing nicely with Zoom on the day of the interview. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show Cynthia Kaur, Professor of Speech, Language, and Hearing Science, and the organizer of the University Seminar for Establishing a Women's Writing Community at George Washington University. Welcome, Cynthia. Since the theme of this particular episode is summer writing planning, what's your general approach? I'm still looking for the right summer plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last summer, I became interested in the idea of a summer writing plan because probably like many, many, many people and 
probably especially people who are dealing with kids in the summertime home from school or whatever. Summertime was really getting away from me. And it was super helpful to do something that you've talked about. I've seen elsewhere too, is if you look at your calendar and you map out those weeks and you really realize that there are really only 12 weeks or so of mm-hmm. summer, that mm-hmm. it's not infinite. Yeah. Uh, and that summertime often means that we have a lot of other things that we either want to do or that we need to do and we like to do and we should do to restore ourselves to be better equipped to deal with all the things that come at us during the school year. I think that was the most helpful thing for me was saying like, oh, there really is not an unlimited amount of time. And if I take my writing projects and start mapping them onto the calendar, well, I really don't have enough summer in summer. <laughs> but <laughs> but what, what I do have, I need to learn how to maximize. And I think I'm still working on that. Like I like to, when summertime comes, I really like to be outdoors more. I like to go to the pool and swim. And so I'm thinking about being a lot more um, intentional around scheduling my my me time so that it doesn't get pushed to the side for writing, but also scheduling the writing time so that it doesn't just evaporate into gardening or uh, (laughs) walking the dogs or hanging out with my daughter who's going to be home from college in the summer. Actually, a lot of what you naturally talked about gets to what I think is the most important part of it, which is realizing that summer is more than work and being realistic about what you can get done. And I mean, summer is a great time of year and you want to get work done, but if it starts to feel like, you know, your work and your life are competing with each other, summer can be a really kind of fraught and awkward time. Yeah. A lot of us can be pulled by guilt in both directions in the summertime. So when you're not writing, you feel bad that you're not writing and you probably aren't enjoying the thing that you're doing while not writing quite as much as you should for it to really benefit you. And finding that kind of balance is really important and it's something I'm working on. So I haven't figured it all out yet, but I think just saying, you know, two things that will make me feel better or be really enjoyable for me this summer might be swimming and going to an exercise class or whatever, or meeting a friend once a week for a walk or whatever it is, right? Gardening. And just really doing that while I'm doing that and enjoying it. Uh And then saying, and I'm free to do that because this morning from nine to 10, I did my hour of writing Uh Uh so that I'm able to focus on the thing I'm doing at the moment more than feeling bad that I'm not doing the other thing. Yeah. And I think that's really key. I mean, that, that sort of guilt piece where it's just like when you're working, you feel bad about not doing the fun stuff. And when you're doing the fun stuff, you feel bad about working, but it's amazing how just identifying a couple of things that you're doing for yourself uh, that you can really sort of relax into and find that kind of balance. It can have a real impact. It's just like, you know, you earn the time that you have to do these other things. And, you know, it's important to say that your chunk of summer that you've, you've cordoned off for yourself. Yeah. I never used to be a believer that scheduling your, your free time was a way to enjoy it more. But as I've done more of that, I've really found that it gives you a kind of freedom Like for me, I've taken an inventory, literally an inventory where I write down things that I really enjoy that make me feel better as a person. So they might be things like exercise and they might be sleeping in without the alarm clock waking me up sometimes or having um, an afternoon that's just totally unprogrammed. These are like little luxuries for me that that feel great. And so like today I can say, uh, oh, well, I worked until noon or whatever. I don't have another meeting today until four. So between noon and four, I'm a free bird. I can go putter around in the garden. I can take a nap. I can walk. I can do whatever I want. And I really like that one unstructured period of time in a week. But I think that 
if I didn't have a plan for the writing as well, then I might be fretting during that time or letting those little intrusive thoughts come in about like, well, you're just sitting here taking a nap. You know, you could be writing right now. <laughs> in which case I wouldn't be able to enjoy my nap. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And we and we want to enjoy our naps. Every every one of those <laughs> nap moments is 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 precious. Thanks for coming and talking to us and best of luck to you. Uh, you. Uh, for the summer and we'll be in touch again very soon I'm sure. In addition to her comments about today's topic, Cynthia had some terrific information to share about how she's been supporting the faculty writers at her university. I'll make that portion of our conversation available in a bonus track. So that's today's episode. If this mistake applies to you, try out this fix and let me know how things worked out. Remember, all of the fixes I offer are meant to be flexible interventions. There may be ways you apply my suggestions that look different from what I've described, but that work for you. In that case, it's always terrific to hear the ways you adapt a fix that makes it a more meaningful match for your particular writing routine. Also, I'd love to get you involved in the podcast. Let me know if you have a story or a solution you'd like to share for an upcoming episode. I might even invite you to be a guest on the show. What's our next mistake? overestimating how much work you can get done. If you'd like to chime in, drop me an email. You can even include a short voice memo if you prefer. You can reach me through the contact link on my webpage, 100writingmistakes.org. If you found this episode helpful, give the show a positive rating on your pod platform of choice. This will really help get the word out about our series. Also, spread the news about the podcast to colleagues and friends you think might benefit because faculty are the most underserved writers on any college campus. And with your help, we can change that. Special thanks go out this week to my guest, Professor Cynthia Kaur, and the other members of the George Washington Women's Writing Community. As a feature of the ongoing support of their faculty, postdocs, and grad students, they recently invited me to lead the workshop that inspired this episode. To them and the rest of you out there, keep up the good work. See you next time.